This is Randy Elrod, and you're listening to Frequency.fm. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Frequency Podcast. I'm with Joe, and actually it's been a while, Joe. It's it has been I don't I, we did an April episode and we didn't do anything in May. I mean, obviously we released a lot of content, but <laughs> yes. nothing in May and yeah. we're at the end of June at this point. And I know that it's not because you don't like me. It's because You've been dealing with <laughs> school and being a father and being a pastor. And so I'm only a little bit hurt. <laughs> well, and the reality is, I do have to say, I appreciate all the help that you've done sort of keeping things going content wise. Um, sometimes I feel like I'm just watching from a distance, but um, the benefit... <laughs> well, you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's the irony of it. But yeah, um, yeah it's... It's been tough. It's been a tough season. It's been busy. Um, you know, we, you know, I work in a school as well as a church. Uh, we have a day school with a lot of students and, you know, we're getting to graduation time now. So um, it'll get a little bit easier to get content out. But man, we've had interviews stored and trying to get them out the door has been difficult. But here we are. And we actually have an interview that I did with um, James Curtis who's a radio uh, DJ slash producer from Toronto, Canada. And um, I really wanted to get this out, not just because, well, it's new content, but um, I had an opportunity to get to know James early on, and he actually helps Canadian artists. That's sort of the crux of what he does. Um, he has a passion for getting Canadian artists a voice in right. the radio industry. That's commendable in, in a realm, which we talk about, in a realm where you know, it's the top 10 songs that get spun and they're not always good, you know, and there's formulaic stuff that happens in the radio world and um, there's cookie cutters, it's cutthroat business. There's not a lot of jobs in it. I mean, he talks about a lot of stuff related to the radio business that is really worth listening to. I mean, I know him as the guy who was doing two jobs. He wasn't always full time in radio. He actually right. was a businessman and working in radio, you know, being a swing announcer in the morning and going to his job and then coming back. So anyways, I know we're, I'm kind of diving into this a bit early. Yeah, you're like but... completely ruining the interview for the people. Right? <laughs> Stop now. Man, but I think it's so good to hear from somebody in the business who just gets it. He's been yeah. around the block. Um, I mean, he resonates with us as well because I know for you specifically, you're in voiceover work and he's got an on-air guy uh, website where he does that on the side too. You know, you just have to do things to make a living in radio and in audio in general. And yep. um, so it's um, it's good conversation. You know, I'm talking too much, Joe. Did you want to say anything? <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just here to look pretty. Voice for radio, right? Right. There um, you go. Yeah. You know what? The thing is, is, I think people are so sick of hearing my voice that they're probably like, thank the Lord, the Canadian guy is back. Where has he been? You know? How's he uh, going, eh? Yeah. Hoser. Right. <laughs> right. yeah. Take off, eh? Uh, <laughs> well, by the way, when's the last time you saw Strange Brew? Just throwing that out there. Oh, man. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. Same and here. I always, I always remind my kids that they filmed that in 
at my public school, parts of it. And they're like, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> I, actually, it's funny. I've been going back and listening to music that I listened to when I was 20 this week. I've just been on this binge. And I think about, oh, well, that's not very long ago. No, that's almost 26 years ago. And, uh, yeah. and I'm thinking uh, song music from 19, 1990 seems like yesterday. And then uh, I cue it up and I do the math and I go, wow, this guy, this guy was only 28 when he made this album. And now he's old. He's 54. Wait a minute. How old am I again? <laughs> Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I watched. I watched. Um, it, there's like a YouTube channel where it goes through, you know, the the t top ten from an industry or from a decade or from a year or whatever. And one of them was the '90s. And of course, yeah, yeah. Um, Ice Ice Baby came up. <laughs> Vanilla Ice, yeah. and I'm like, well, where is he today? You know, he's he's still out there. But yeah, it's funny when you look back and you think. Where have where have they gone? You know, do you like want to know where Vanilla Ice is? Where he's got his own pretty well rated TV show on HGTV, um, where he does uh, home makeovers, and he's he's actually really good at it. He's got a great design eye, and we, my wife and I, have watched a few episodes. He did uh, one. Uh, Vanilla Ice goes Amish. <laughs> and he went to this Amish community and he, and he worked with them over the summer and it was really funny. Wow. And he's, uh, you know, he's kind of a twit. Uh, but is that a persona? Oh yeah, it's definitely, I mean, you see the real relationships are occurring between people and, you know, then he puts on the vanilla ice, you know, ridiculousness for the camera. But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the Amish people aren't going to be putting up with him for very long if he's a jerk like all the time, you know? So I think that yeah. obviously they're not foolish people. You know, this is amazing. We went from talking about James Curtis to talking about vanilla ice. And, um, <laughs> that is a beautiful transition. So how about, how about we just do a little check-in and go, Hey, didn't we do an interview that we were going <laughs> to share with people? <laughs> well, I would just wanted to tease people with what we're going to talk about, you know, right, right, um, right. just to close the story. Well, maybe on... we should transition into that. I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm sorry. Go to ahead. Clo to close the story on that. Um, he's also a guest, um, guy or guest sort of expert in the music industry on TMZ to talk about all the stupidity of all the pop artists that are out there today. Wait, wait, who, Vanilla Ice or James Curtis? Vanilla Ice. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm like, I didn't know James Curtis did that. I don't remember that from the interview. That's remarkable. No, that is ironic to have Vanilla Ice on there, but I guess he's speaking from perspective. I mean, he had his, uh, his, his one movie that that he made and he was already unpopular by the time they, they released the movie. Yeah. So yeah. that was it, awesome. It, it totally tanked. I mean, it made 2 million bucks, probably took 2 million to make it. Yeah. 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 It's, it's one of those things where they were, it was too much too quick. Right. Yeah. And that was when I, that was 26 years ago. That was 1990, yeah. 91 timeframe. So. And in the two thousands, he actually was a, a motocross champion. Did you know that? Uh, I had no idea. No, that's news <laughs> after, to me. After he, after he bailed from the music industry, he went into motocross. <laughs> it's just funny. Uh, the random things that you learn. Um, you know, and the only reason why I brought that up is yeah, because when you look that is back, random. That, you know, but when you look back, I mean, it always goes back to music for me, but um, it's funny to see where, where people are at now and how times have changed because there were a lot of one hit wonders back then. 
But right. do you see any one hit wonders now? That's the real question. What do you mean? Do, do, do we, the, the people from 25 years ago, do we know what they're doing? Or are you saying, do other one? No, like, like nowadays, you know, there was an influx of bands back in the day. Yeah. I don't see that influx now where everyone can get a hit out there. It may only be one, but I don't see that. See, I, I would have said just the opposite. Um, yeah. Really? I, I can't remember who I was talking to, but this may be a year and a half ago or something. Maybe it was Ross King, but we were talking about, is there ever going to be another U2 or Madonna or, you know, these, these bands or that kind of dominate the industry for a period of time? You know, my wife listens to indie music all the time, and you'll get somebody that pops up and then disappears. I was going to say, it seems like it's uh, more likely you're going to hear the one-hit wonders, especially on in indie radio. Once you get into the top 40 stuff, it's, oh, yeah, that guy again, that guy again. It's like they've completely lost any sense of creativity and diversity. It's just, it's going to be this because it's that formula. The, the indie side, it's, I think it's exactly the opposite. It's really flat. You might get heard once and people have forgotten you, you know, two weeks later. Yeah. I don't know. No, that you make a good point. Yeah. I guess, you know, if you, if you listen to K-Love for any period of time in the Christian mm -hmm. realm, you know, my wife listens to that through the U.S. and Nashville. I can tell you what the next song is going to be a lot oh, of yeah. the time. And I don't mean to be critical, but that that's just the reality. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I guess in a sense, yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, if you go back to the 80s and 90s, it's Madonna and, you know, um, George Michael and U2 and Duran Duran and all those bands. Um, I guess I'm just yeah. a little bit more ignorant to it now. I should just shut up. Yeah, we're we, as long as you and I understand that we're irrelevant in general, we're going to be much happier <laughs> in the end. But well, let's let's kick over to the interview, yes. and then we can talk about more irrelevant stuff on the other side. And there you go. Here's our my interview with uh, James Curtis. Hey everyone, it's Dan Thompson from the Frequency.fm podcast, and I'm actually joined by a Canadian today, James Curtis from Joy 1250 Radio in Toronto. How are you doing, James? I'm doing really good. How are you? I'm awesome. Awesome. This is great because I'm actually talking to somebody that's close to my time zone. Well, there's that. Uh, the difference for me is I'm normally asking the questions, so this is a little awkward for me, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yes. So this is a bit of role reversal today. And in fact, I think a number of years ago, I think it was four years ago or so, I was actually interviewed by you on the radio. And um, I think I learned a few things from you, um, how things work in the background. Um, but you know, as we get into uh, who you are, um, do you want to give a bit of your background, how you even got into radio? Well, that's quite a story. Have you got some time? Sure. I, I got into radio over 20 years ago. I went to school for it. Um, at the time, it was a three-year uh, radio program at the college that I attended. Um, I kind of scammed after the first year. I, uh, you know, everybody's out getting summer jobs and 
and whatnot. And uh, I was trying to get something in radio. Of course, you know, one year in college taking radio gives you no experience uh, for radio stations to take you seriously. I figured I could work for free or something. And all, all my friends were landing some related type radio gigs, uh, but not me. And then I got a lead for a radio station that was about two hours away from my house. And I got a summer job there. I got to do the evening show, did some weekend stuff, and had a lot of fun doing it. And then at the end of the summer, I went to the program director's office, and I handed him a piece of paper. And I said, here, can you sign this? He said, what's this? He said, I said to him, this is my internship. I just want to be able to uh, prove that I did my internship. So I, I essentially got paid throughout the summer. I got paid for my internship, which is, is never heard of. But, yeah. but I, I, I took my three-year program and... and Cut it to about two and a half years, which was which was awesome. Wow! Oh, that's amazing. And so then, then I I did another radio gig after that. I got out of radio. Um, I I really couldn't afford it. Um, I'm not sure what radio is like throughout the rest of the United States, but uh, back then for me, anyways, uh, radio did not make enough money. It was it was costing more in travel and gas and everything else than than the money I was making. Mm-hmm. So I got out of radio for a time and. I kind of stumbled back into it by accident about, I'll say, five or six years ago. I, I was, you know, I'm, I'm married, we have a house, we have kids and stuff, and my wife had come up to me and she said, you know, you should really get a hobby, you know, just something that you can play around with, dabble around with on the side. So I said, so I gave it some thought and I said, well, um, why don't I set up like a little recording studio at home? And she said, yeah, that's a good idea. So You mean, so, your, you mean your wife, like, like? allowed you wanted you to do this <laughs> well the, the best the best part of it was was uh you know we get money back at income tax time usually and she said well why don't you take some of the income tax money and buy some equipment wow like, wow so i didn't even have to save up for stuff you know this is great so <laughs> so uh so i bought some equipment and uh and uh you know continuously improved on the equipment got more stuff and i was i remember distinctly it was in the summertime i was at the beach with my family, I left my cell phone in the car, and when I got back at the end of the day, there was a message from a friend of a friend of ours uh, who attended the same church, and he had sent me a text saying, "Hey, have you got your recording studio up and running yet? Because I need some voiceover work done." So I was like, "Wow, this is kind of interesting." So it turned out to be uh, a few jobs for a telev- television program out of British Columbia, and I did some uh, commercials for them, which he incorporated into video. He does a lot of video work. And, uh, and so I thought, well, this is kind of cool. I'm, I'm getting paid for, for something, and I wasn't really intending on doing that. I was just going to set up like a studio so that I could record my daughter sing. She's got an amazing voice. You know, do some YouTube videos like you see and, and yeah. you know, get a pile of hits and, you know, hey, recording contract <laughs> or something, you know. Yeah, Google <laughs> Analytics kicks in and, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so um, I did that for him. And then I thought, well, let me try sending these videos out. And, I, of course, I did some searches uh, you know, 25 years ago, there was no such thing as a Christian radio station in Canada. Mm-hmm. So I did some searching around. It's like, well, there's, there's Christian radio in Canada now. So I, I sent my my 20-year-old, at the time, 20-year-old demo tape, my radio demo tape, off to some Christian radio stations in the area, uh, along with, you know, this video or a link to this video. And one of the radio stations that's about an hour away from my house uh, emailed back, emailed back, said, "Hey, are you planning to move here uh, to work at our station?" It's like, whoa! I never really thought of that before. It never <laughs> really entered my mind. So, 
um, I said, well, I'm not really planning on, on moving, but if you need some voiceover work, and little did I know there's not really any voiceover work for Christian radio because Christian radio has their own talent and they don't have the money to be forking over when they could just use people they know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I sent my, my um, I did the same thing for a radio station called Joy 1250 in Oakville, which is about a half hour away from my house. And I never heard back. And I thought, well, that's kind of strange. And uh, and about a week and a half later, it was right before Christmas. A week and a half later, I followed up and said, you know, I sent another email saying, hey, have you had a chance to listen? What do you think? And the program director immediately got back to me within five minutes and said, hey, I'm sorry. I, I did respond to your earlier email, but that particular day we were having some email challenges. Uh-huh. I'd, like, I'd like to meet with you. And so we set up appointment, an appointment for the week after, which is literally – two, three days before Christmas, mm. I went there. We sat for an hour in the on-air studio just chit-chatting, at, not on-air. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and at the end of it, he said, well, I'm looking for a swing guy. I'm looking for a guy to cover off mornings and the afternoon drive once in a while uh, just so my, my guys can take a, take a vacation once in a while. I said, well, sure, I'm interested. I'm your guy. He said, well, it's not going to materialize for another two, three months, but uh, I've got you in the wings, and that would be great. And um, not... A, it was the day after New Year's, so like a week and a bit later, I get a call saying, hey, uh, my morning guy is going on vacation next week. Can you come in you know, uh, for the rest of the week early in the morning uh, and learn the board and, and mm-hmm. you know, learn how he does the show and stuff like that? So I did that. So I was working a full-time job plus doing that Wow. Um, early, early in the morning, showing up this thing, learning it. And then so I think it was the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I was supposed to be there, quote unquote, for training. Okay. On the Wednesday, I took notes. On the Thursday, I opted the board, which meant I ran the controls while he announced on the other side of the board. And then the, the plan was on the Friday, uh, he was going to introduce me at the end of the show saying, hey, James Curtis is going to be covering for me next week while I'm on vacation. As it turned out, Friday morning, I showed up. I'm getting all ready and stuff like that. And the morning guy wasn't there. Oh really? He didn't. He didn't show up. He actually slept in for the first time in years. Wow. He slept. He slept in. So I took the show, and an hour and a bit into the show, he called from home saying, "Hey, sorry, <laughs> I, sl- I slept in. I'll be right there." And by that time, it was like, "Well, I'd already taken the show and and taken over." So so I just went on from there, and then uh, that led to a Saturday, a regular Saturday show, and filling in uh, doing the morning show and. I mean, I did the Saturday show. It was fun, but it was a it was a huge commitment for me because it was I was still working full time, so it was it was a fifty to sixty hour a week uh, between the Saturday show and my regular job, and even more than that when I was covering the morning show because you know you, you get called to cover the morning show. A swing swing announcer gets covered called to cover the morning show, and and you're you can't just quit your job or or say oh I'm taking two weeks off vacation. No, yeah. you got your regular job to go to. So I would. I would be having long, long hours, and my family wouldn't see me. And then, uh, then the weekends would come, and I, I just do a lot of sleeping. So yeah, and then I know the show that you did on the Saturdays involved a lot of communication. It did. I, I, uh, I mean, it started just as a request show, but you know, I look at radio as, uh, I mean, I look at what I'm doing, and I want to make sure I've got listeners. So you've got to drive listeners, and mm-hmm. that's what you know you do with social media and and whatever type of promotions and and stuff, giveaways and stuff. People love that. Uh, for my show, I mean, Saturday evening from five to eight, who's listening to the radio? Especially in the summertime, it's beautiful weather. The sun is still out. And you're outside having a barbecue. You might not be listening to the radio. So I had to find a way to drive listeners to listen, and so I produced a 
uh, it was called the New Canadian Countdown. The reason for that name was because that was the domain name that I could find at the time. <laughs> Set up a website and basically uh, had six. Uh, it was a, a countdown of no. It was a countdown of ten songs. Mm-hmm. And and every week I would introduce two or three new songs, and it was all Canadian content. So it was yeah. all Canadian songs, and I would do a countdown. There would be online voting. Um, the show included every single week included a live interview. So there was the show prep involved in in you know preparing for an interview, and these interviews would last fifteen to twenty minutes long. And my experience with interviews. Uh, is if you're going to do a 15 to 20 minute interview, that's an hour, hour and a half worth of show prep because mm-hmm. you want to do all the research you can to know what you're talking about. Yes. So to produce this new Canadian countdown as one hour segment of my three hour show took about six hours of prep time during the week, mm-hmm. which was a huge, huge commitment. And I finally, and in fact, I had uh, other radio stations requesting to simulcast or to take the show and, and broadcast it on their station as well throughout so he, Canada. Yeah, that would be syndication, right? Yep, yep. Yeah. And, and so I got asked about syndication, looked into it a bit, uh, and then, you know, it dawned on me after speaking with some people in the business that, number one, uh, now you have to go and spend some time selling this to for syndication, for sponsors. Mm-hmm. So there's, I've got the six hours a week now. I've got additional time required to sell this thing. And then, uh, then the extra work in producing. This was a live show I did. This was a live countdown, which many times is not the case in radio. Yes. It's usually, it's usually pre-recorded, but this was live. So, you know, everything from timing out to song intros to, you know, the little stingers that say number one. You know, that's, <laughs> I still remember all of those. <laughs> yeah. So, so all of that stuff producing it. And I, and I did like, I was the production guy. I was the on-air guy. I was everything. And, and, uh, it, it wasn't worth the work, if I can say. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. I had a blast doing it, but but it just took me away from my family way too much. Yeah, would, and you, so, yeah, would you say that um, although it was successful, um, I know I, I'm the recipient of being involved in it as a number of Canadian artists are. In fact, I would dare say that because of that show, a number of artists actually got their music out there. Um, so, And I was able to actually befriend other artists. It, it became sort of a connector tool. Yep. So, so you actually created a bit of a platform for artists, um, which is kind of what like I wanted to talk to you about today. Even as um, Christian radio, um, it's it's relatively new, like you said. Like Christian radio hasn't been around that long um, in Canada. In Canada, sorry, right, yeah, right. yeah. I mean, you'll you'll see number of uh, stations in the U.S. as soon as you cross the border, um, almost as many as secular, uh, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the the way that digital media is going, um, how do you see with the modern age and digital media, just the same way that you were trying to produce a show then and realizing there's so much work, how do you adapt radio so that it, it is still successful when there's so many other ways to grab media? How are you delving in radio into the digital media platform as opposed to FM band or AM band? Well, first of all, specifically geared towards Christian radio, whether it be online uh, it, whether it be like in the form of a online radio station or podcasting or just the availability of music online versus uh, a radio station that you pick up on your AM or FM dial. Um, radio is a marketing tool for artists. And that's, that's, that goes beyond Christian music as well. I mean, 
you know, a lot of Christian artists and groups would sometimes question, well, why do I need my music played on the radio? The reason why you need your music played on the radio is because this is a marketing tool. It gets in front of a bunch of people and you've probably, you probably are aware in radio, uh, a lot of times there's a, a song that you play that's shorter than the version that you buy online. Right. The one, the one you buy online might be four or five minutes long. Um, radio stations get what's called a radio edit, which is three, three and a half minutes long. Uh-huh. Uh, it sounds like the complete song, but it's actually a shortened version. And the reason for that is, number one, airtime is very valuable in, uh, you know, for sponsors and advertisers and whatnot. Uh, so you have to have that time available. But also you want to be able to play as much music as possible and get that exposure out for the artist. So, uh-huh. so radio is a marketing tool, one of many marketing tools that artists can use. As far as uh, the role of terrestrial radio, which is like your AM and FM, um, there's, there will always be a need and a requirement for uh, terrestrial radio, and that's because of the local content. Most people are listening to the radio in their cars on their way to work or on their way home from work. And that's where they're going to get their sports scores, their weather forecast, uh, listen to their favorite music, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So the local flavor is what keeps radio alive. That's, mm-hmm. that's really the only thing that keeps terrestrial radio alive. Specifically in Christian music, uh, even more so, because if that's the type of music you want to listen to, there aren't a lot of Christian radio stations throughout Canada. In every market, there might be only one radio station to listen to. And that's the case in Toronto. We are the only Canadian Christian radio station in Toronto. Wow. Yeah. So I guess the closest Christian radio within your region would then be north of Toronto, correct? Would be uh, north north and west. North and west. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I do remember that Chatham area, I think, is, is uh, K- the one. Kitchener-Waterloo has one. Okay. Uh, and then there's one in Barrie. Okay. Just north, yeah. Yeah, I never really uh, explained um, for demographic sake. You've mentioned Toronto, but for people who are listening from Nashville or Kansas City or, or other places, we refer to the greater Toronto area, um, southern Ontario. Um, and Ontario is rather large, but uh, as far as the population goes, it's more in the south. Um, so that's sort of the landscape where um, in Toronto, I think, is what, two point something million people now? I think it's more than that. Yeah. Well, even since I lived there years ago, I still remember it being over two, two million. Yeah. So yeah, during rush hour traffic, it seems like a lot more than that. Yeah. Well, and what is rush hour in Toronto anymore? It starts at like noon and goes to 8 p.m. <laughs> well, in the in the mornings, I mean, I drive out early in the morning, so I don't have to worry about that. But but I mean, you know, your traffic is really kicking into high gear at 6 a.m., and probably doesn't end till around 9 a.m. And then in the afternoon, like you say, especially on a Friday afternoon on a, of a long weekend, mm-hmm. uh, in the rain, <laughs> I'll go for hours. And yes. in, the, in a snowstorm. I mean, we get snow in, in Canada. And, and during a snowstorm on a Friday before a long weekend, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, now you're a DJ, quote unquote, um, you know, on-air announcer. Um, you're doing the morning drive. But you're also the music director. So that's right. Um, for people who don't understand radio, what would be the difference? Because in the olden days, if you want to, you know, I'm, I'm holding my quotation fingers up. Um, the DJ was was the DJ. Everyone just assumed the guy talking is the guy flipping records, you know, WKRP in Cincinnati style, yeah. right? Um, but there's a, a, another component to putting the whole program together. And and uh, what does that look like for a music director these days? Well, I can tell you that that people's perception of what a DJ does is usually incorrect. Um, a DJ's uh, or a DJ or announcer is is playing music, but um, 
they rarely pick the music. The music's actually pre-scheduled. Uh, it's in the computer system. We have computers now in radio. Can you believe that? Um, back in my day, um, there used to be something called carts, cartridges, and that's what they used to use in radio stations, much like an 8-track um, ca- cassette, if you want to call it that, and uh, it would have one song on it, and you would play one of those, and then as soon as it ends, it's right at the beginning of the song again. So you would have, have walls of these carts stacked up behind you, and, and you'd be playing that, and, and you, would have a, you would have a program. You would have a, a, a list or a log telling you, here's the music you have to play, and that's the way it works in radio. The reality is, is that the DJ or the announcer does not pick the music that they play. They might switch out a song right before the top of the hour because they have to time out for news or something like that, but, but for the most part, they don't usually pick their own music so that's the role of the music director and and I'll, I'll even take that music director role and split it up a bit because usually there's a music director and then then there's a music scheduler yeah. a music director typically would select the music and say okay these are the songs we're adding these are the songs we're taking off and and maintain the charts as it were you mm-hmm. would have your hot chart you'd have your CanCon chart, which is the Canadian content chart. Yeah. Uh, you would have your recurrent and your gold. You have all these different categories of music, and that's what the music director would over, oversee and manage. Okay. A music scheduler actually takes all of that and, and schedules, schedules the music. Okay. Um, the music director would define, the, would define the clocks. In radio world, that's basically saying, well, at the top of the hour, we're going to start with a hit, and then we're going to go into a gold, and then we're going to play a CanCon song. After that, we got a commercial break, and after that, we're going into this type of song. Mm-hmm. So the music director would have a hand in that, but, but the music scheduler is basically sitting in front of a computer and just scheduling music. And there's software to do all that stuff, but, mm-hmm. but the software is usually not intuitive enough to say, well, I need exactly 48 minutes worth of music and then the rest of the hour is made up with news and, and commercials and talk time by the, by the DJ. So, right. so the, the computer wouldn't be um, adequate for that. You need somebody to actually massage the, massage the songs a little bit and move stuff around so that you can time out, especially in overnights. Most radio stations don't have a live announcer in the studio overnights, mm-hmm. so you, wouldn't, you need to time out to exactly 60 minutes. Right. So what do I spend a lot of my time doing when I'm not on air? I spend a lot of time scheduling music, which is kind of mundane, but it needs to be done. Yes. The, the fun part is the music director stuff where you get to pick the songs, listen to songs and say, hey, yeah, this, this would sound awesome. I'm going to add this. Now, that, that leads right into my next question then is um, obviously there's specific charts. There's uh, companies that manage this stuff. There's um, obviously promotion companies out there that are even in the Christian realm that are, are trying to, to, for lack of a better term, sell the songs to the radio stations. Um, at, at what level do you, are you able to um, decide what goes on the radio? Like if you listen to a song and as a Christian radio station, you feel like the theology is poor, but it's a top rated song. Would that be a conundrum for you? Or as a music director, would you be able to say, well, you know what, uh, that doesn't line up with what we believe here. Um, like, do you have that freedom? I have that freedom, and 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 sometimes it's difficult because, you know, you've got a you've got a particular group that's very very popular and big, and they're on the charts, and you listen to the song, you think, well, number one, 
it's it's not the type of format that our listeners would appreciate. Uh-huh. You know, it, it's a Christian song. It might be a harder edge to the song. Uh, you know, the listeners that listen to my radio station are usually 40-plus women. So, you know, you have to keep in mind that. So they don't want to have that rockish sound. Maybe if it were more pop, it would work. Yeah. You know, that pop sound. So there's the sound. There's also the artist or the group themselves. Are they Christians? Do they follow Christ? Yeah. There's that. And then, yeah, it's to do with the lyrics. I'm, I've got one song that I'm, I've, I've added to my system, but I haven't added it to rotation yet. And because I'm, I'm still on the edge, like, you know... The, the title of the song is not referring to God or Jesus. It's referring to another individual. So uh-huh. I'm thinking, so I, I really need to listen to the lyrics more and get a, get a feel for it. They're a relatively new group, so I always wouldn't give them a chance. But, but if, if they're not, you know, professing that they're Christians or at least lyrics that would edify God, then uh, I'm, I'm torn sometimes. So I, yeah. in, in that yeah. particular case, I have not added it yet. It hasn't been played on the radio yet at my radio station and so some of that I will you know, a song like that I, w- I will wait I will listen to it a few more times. I will also wait to see what other radio stations are doing if they're adding it or not mm-hmm. um, you know, other Christian radio stations in Canada for instance and there's a lot of you know, a lot of that stuff that happens. Yeah, yeah, because obviously there's, like we do this on Frequency, we don't just have anyone on. I, you know, I'll have conversations for a while with people before I ever have them on for an interview. Because um, really, you don't want it to be a train wreck for them. Um, you know, especially when it comes to things like theology. I mean, we're all, we're going to have many, many differences. It's not, hey, I'm Baptist, I'm not going to talk to a Pentecostal. I don't mean that. I'm talking like core foundational things. Like you said, if the music or the art art form is totally ambiguous and has no purpose or direction and almost sounds like a love song to your boyfriend, it's probably just not necessary to talk about. Um, and I find, uh, you know, in the artist realm, people are looking for new avenues to do things, um, stretch the envelope a little bit. You know, some people would say, well, you too is awesome and they're, they're all Christians, quote unquote. So let's play where the streets have no name on Christian radio. Um, I don't think they're pining for that. Um, you know, they, and, and they perhaps don't need that. Well, exactly. When you, when you, when you look at the marketing side, side of things, do they need that? I mean, if people want to listen to a particular group and it's not played on their Christian radio station, they'll go out and buy it anyways because they've heard it on another station for, perhaps or online somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I guess you kind of answered my question that, I mean, you still have a, a struggle with what how to manage these types of scenarios, but the good news is you have the option to manage these types of scenarios. Correct, and, and I guess my biggest struggle when it comes to that is, is when it's a new group, I'm, I'm wanting to give somebody a chance. I always want to give somebody a chance, and in this particular case, this one song that I'm kind of sitting on the fence with, they're, they're a relatively new group, and, and they're Canadian, and, and I've got a heart for Canadian music, and I really want to promote Canadian music, and I continue to do that with other features that I, uh, you know, versus the new Canadian countdown. Yeah. I got other stuff on the go now that allows me to do something similar with less work uh, and, and more exposure, actually. Um, and and so that's yeah that's my one of my biggest challenges is to, is determining you know for this new group do we want to give them a chance and and uh, that sort of thing. All right, guys, and if you maybe had noticed that that interview ended kind of abruptly, then uh, let me explain. We forgot to tell you up front. 
Um, this was uh, the conversation was rich enough and long enough with James that we decided to go ahead and break it up into two episodes, kind of like we did with uh, with Jody's interview um, a couple of episodes ago. So you caught mm-hmm. the first half, and then you're going to have to wait for the second half in about, I don't know, how long will it take me to edit? Two weeks, whatever, something like that. But uh, <laughs> but you, I think you can definitely get a sense of uh, why we want to share this, especially for people who have an interest in what's going on behind the scenes in the music industry, especially from a radio perspective, because that's just kind of, for most of us, that's just a black hole. What's going on there? You know, how does, how does music get on the radio? How do they plan these things? And then just the way it's changed over generations or even, well, not gener, you know, in mm-hmm. the past 20 yeah. years, it's, it's all digital. You know, I, I actually, I DJed like 20 years ago, not on the radio, but I mean, I was at like, you know, wow. my, my job on the cruise ship. I was a DJ uh, initially. Awful, awful DJ, a lousy DJ. But knowing you've got to queue up the discs or the – we actually had records on the cruise ship too if you want to do some scratching. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a lot of work logistically just to keep those things lined up and to think, you know, now the software is so advanced that you could just knock that out. I mean, so I think it's really cool to hear what James has to say and get that clarity as well as just knowing who he is and – how he got to where he is. That's great. Well, until next time, Joe, um, thanks for chatting with me and going through the random yeah, <laughs> conversations yeah, we did before. And we'll, we'll catch people on the next one. Okay. Well, make sure wait, we get to social media blitz, right? We don't want to leave without that. Well, you know, Joe, <laughs> people can contact us online at frequency.fm or they can go to at Frequency FM on Twitter. And Twitter is probably the most normal place to converse with people. Um, and it's easy to share. And if you are one of those rare Facebook people that actually see our posts, because Facebook likes us to have to pay for stuff these days, I'm a little bitter. Um, <laughs> you can check us out on Facebook. And and we're really uh, uh, glad to uh, uh, engage with people pretty much anywhere. And you can always contact us at dan at frequency.fm and joe at frequency.fm as well. That's true. Thanks, guys. We'll catch you very shortly with part two. Bye.